I think a lot of times we invest in the 401ks, we invest in the real estate and, and all that stuff, but we don't invest enough in ourselves, which is going to be your biggest return. So, I mean, I just asked like, hey, if my goal was to be, you know, to make a million dollars in the next year, how much is that worth? Like if I could pay some coaches, take some courses or whatever, how much would I pay for that? Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast, the show about buying, optimizing, and managing short-term rentals in the state of Michigan. Get insights and recommendations from vacation rental operators to help take your property to the next level. Are you ready to profit from your short-term rental? Let's get started. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast. My name is Tony Stancato here with my co-host, Jordan Painter. What's up, man? Living a good life. No complaints. Boom. Long weekend. Yeah, buddy. I went and did the opposite of an Airbnb is what we did. So we packed. There was, there was five dads and I should know the count. I think it was like 14 kids ranging Holy from God. age five to 18. And we loaded on a loaded them on a boat, took them to South Manitou Island and, and did some backpacking and camping for the weekend. So no plumbing, no electric, just a bunch of dudes trying to keep our kids alive. So it was it, fun. Interesting. So is that kind of all you do on that island? I mean, is there anything like can people actually live on it or what? No, I mean they, they do have there was a couple of buildings there that I think for people who who maybe service the lighthouse and service the island that work there. But outside of that, there's it's very, very rustic. I mean, you're you're putting water in a in a in a container from the lake and you know, having to sanitize it yourself, either boil it or run it through the filter. And yeah, it's very, very rustic. So a lot of a lot of backpacking, hiking, beach stuff. And yeah, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, we just got back from Gatlinburg. That was fun. I mean, we do that pretty much every year. So a lot of the a lot of the same, but still good to connect with everybody from my wife's side of the family. So good yeah, to be back. And for accommodations were better than mine. So let's rank it. What what they do well, what they do not so well. Oh, my accommodations. Well, the door lock on the bathroom didn't work. So that's always a minus five for me. You know, feel like privacy after our last podcast, right? Privacy is a pretty big deal. So good thing. That's one good thing or one bad thing. The good thing I would say is like, I thought we could potentially take away from it. And we always ask for feedback, but they had just this one cheater that they leave at the property. When you get your keys, you get this one cheater, you fill it out. Hey, here's all the issues that we've seen, maintenance issues that might be needed. And then you rated like eight different aspects of it, right? And, you know, it, it's from cleanliness to, I don't know, the furniture and all that stuff. So just a good way for them to get feedback. I was thinking about it a little bit this morning. A lot of times, like you're relying on your cleaners, your guests, and, you know, the, the property walkthroughs to really get a sense of what's needed. But I feel like you have that one sheet has those those questions on it very easy i put down hey the doorknob doesn't work in the bathroom so now if they don't go fix it that's on them but i like that that also kind of just conveys to your guests how much you care about the experience and i think that's a that's a good uh, thing to implement so yeah yeah cool. you bad no no running <laughs> wow. There, yeah, the 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 manager was out of the office, so there was no way to complain about the the lack of cleanliness of the outhouse they had. Yeah, but we were happy with the girls though that there was an outhouse, so they did they did have that accommodation, which is nice. Don't don't need to go any further into detail there, obviously. But and then good, just probably a lot of peace and quiet. I did contact you a couple times. You said you were going to be off the grid, but you weren't 
Yeah, I was told that there was no cell phone signal there, but it, it was actually pretty strong. So I'm blessed. Shout out to Luann in my office. She she covered for me over the weekend. It was actually a pretty busy weekend in, on the real estate side. So she was able to accommodate all of uh, my clients while I was away. And I was able to communicate a little bit when I had to, but I tried I tried my best to at least pretend I was completely out of, out of commission. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, and I just got back from WealthCon and we just wanted to do a quick podcast on potentially three takeaways that I had from that that event that someone that wants to get into the short-term rental space or already is in the short-term rental space, a few tips, a little gold nuggets that I, I took away that they could implement into their life or you know, maybe just help change their thinking. And the number one was, it actually came from networking after the, I think it was the second day there. We went out to grab some drinks and some food with another couple. And they, just the day before they bought this $25,000 coaching program and they didn't, they're not even in that space. It wasn't like, Hey, we're at like this level and we're looking to go like to the next level. It's like, we're at ground zero and we're not dipping our toes in. We're like all in. And so they paid $25,000. It was a pretty cool package. I mean, you got to go to the penthouse, which means you got to hang out with Brandon Turner. You got to hang out with Ryan Pineda. You got to do that both nights, but then also you get to go to like the next four wealth cons. So there was a lot of value in addition to the actual coaching program that came with it. So that made it a, a little bit easier for them, but I just couldn't get it out of my mind how fast they were moving, how fast they were acting. And then when I talked to them, it was like, our goal is to get our first property. And it was, it was around flipping properties or wholesaling properties. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. I mean, they were like thir first 30 days. We're going from like never having, doing a, having done a flip and they are in like the health and wellness space right now. We're going to do our, get our first property under contract in the first 30 days. They had already, they bought the program that night. They're reaching out to the, the program coaches or whatever. And like, Hey, when do we get onboarded? We really want, you know, to get onboarded right now. And they're like, Hey, it's going to happen next week. And they're like, okay, can it be first thing Monday morning? So, I mean, I just love that sense of urgency and that commitment to we're going to get it done. And you just felt like I, I can, so I got their information. I'm going to follow up with them. I want, I really want to see if they, get their first property under 30 days. But it made me think if my goal is to make, you know, a million dollars or a half a million dollars, or even just to add an extra hundred thousand dollars to my income this year, like how much would I pay for that? And I think a lot of times we invest in the 401ks, we invest in the real estate and, and all that stuff, but we don't invest enough in ourselves, which is going to be your biggest return. So, I mean, I just, ask like, Hey, if my goal was to be, you know, to make a million dollars in the next year, how much is that worth? Like if I could pay some coaches, take some courses or whatever, how much would I pay for that? And I mean, it, it seems like a half a million dollar investment would even be worth, you know, making a million dollars. Now, obviously there's no guarantees, but that was the thing for them too, was I don't have time to figure all this out on my own. I just need, I need the blueprint. So what are your thoughts on, paying for coaches, paying for courses, investing in yourself. I know you are someone that has done that in the past and like, what's your, what's your results with stuff like that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think just starting at, at ground zero, just thinking through, you know, how many people do you have conversations with? I, I literally went to, went to breakfast with a guy last week and we were just talking about, you know, 
business and getting into business and he's kind of a w-2 employee and he's done pretty well in his his talk for a long time according to him about starting his own thing and he's kind of in the in the tech space he's a coder super sharp guy i mean coders are smart people like those people are are good at figuring stuff out but i also think that stupid sales guys like me sometimes we got an advantage because we just we just run after stuff, right? And yeah. so I think, and this is something. This is something I struggled with too. You know, my my previous career, I was a barber, and I remember there was a guy I looked up to, and he was in property management, doing all kinds of real estate and flips and investments. And I talked to him for probably four years about, yeah, I'm gonna do this and that. And finally, he called me out one day, and he's like, dude, I don't want to hear you talk about this anymore. If you're not gonna do it, like, stop talking about it. And so that stuck with me. That was probably 15, 20 years ago. That stuck with me. I just needed a push and I remember the switch turn in my head. It's like, okay, you're right. You know, am I going to just talk about this or am I, am I going to do something? And so, you know, I've, I've challenged th- th- this guy at, at breakfast. I'm like, are you going to do it? Are you going to just talk about it? Like, let's, let's get, get a plan going, pick a path and, and go after it. And so I do think that coaching and I've done coaching in the past for my business. I think we paid some somewhere in the, in the ballpark of 25 or $30,000 one year. The, the coaching program we used wasn't necessarily a great fit for my model, but it did change some, some of the systems and processes and it helped me, it helped me learn. It taught me kind of what I wanted and what I didn't want out of the business. And I think there is, there's something to be said around about surrounding yourself with people. Like you said, Tony, you're coming back fired up and these people are going after it and they're excited. And there's something to be said for surrounding yourself with those type of people and being challenged. And there's also something to be said for, you know, you make a $25,000 investment, you know, at a certain point, I think, you know, if you charge too little, it's like that whole psychological thing. If it's like 50 bucks, it's like, yeah, you know, you just ignore that's it. the value you place on it. If it's yeah. 25,000, like, I don't care if the system sucks, you're going to do it. You're going to get after it. And you're probably going to get some decent results if you invest that much in it. So, you know, I think, I think the benefit of something like that is you're going to, you're going to commit to something and, and challenge yourself to, to do it. And, and the more you pay, the more likely that Lindsay's going to be on your butt. Like, Hey dude, you just, you just dropped 25 grand. Like, what are you doing sleeping in? Get out of bed, get, get after it. You well, know? Yeah. So. And, and I've always heard that you know, I'm a big believer in the price isn't, you know, obviously the coaches need to make money and that kind of stuff, but the price almost isn't for them. Think of it as for you and the bigger, like you said, the bigger the price, the bigger the commitment you're going to have to actually doing that. And then, you know, even with what you said about, Hey, you paid that for a certain coaching program and, and maybe you didn't get exactly what you were looking for, but I can tell you, I look back and I joined a program eight years ago, I think it was for my 30th birthday, eight years ago, joined a mastermind group, you know, and it wasn't a particular program that took you into, you know, from point A to point B in a specific niche, but it was from joining the mastermind within that group and then making commitments within that group that I think my biggest, dude, if I looked at my return on that, I mean, it was literally, I mean, I paid 500 bucks for the course. So, I mean, that was like nothing, right? But like all the web, we've done website stuff in the past. All the website stuff came from that. And I mean, it's several hundred thousand dollars, right? So you just never know what the outcome will look like too. And it's like, hey, I went to WealthCon, right? And I put myself in that position and maybe I made a connection with maybe that couple, right? And maybe something comes from that down the road. You just never know where the stars are gonna line up, line up to, but I can tell you, they're going to be, it's going to have a better outcome than, you know, watching Netflix. So, and then, 
Yeah, and I'll, you know, put my money where my mouth is. I did just get back from WealthCon, but last night, you know, my own personal money ended up buying another course for. So next month, I'm going down to a short-term rental conference where I'll be. I paid to be in proximity to Bill Faith and like Avery Carl. So it was like a VIP ticket, right? So I'll be able to go out to dinner with them, ask them questions, get coaching from them, but it's gonna help with like off shoulder bookings and stuff too. So yeah, that was one of the big things. And like I said, still coming back, fired up, decided to put my money where my mouth is on, you know, paying to get the outcome we want. That's awesome. And then number two, big vision. I mean, all these guys on stage, right? Big visions. They're playing at a whole nother level. And I think a lot of times I can be a little timid, a little conservative, kind of aim a little bit low, but you will be capped by, you know, your vision. So if you have a small vision, if it's like, hey, I want to get one property over the next three years, you'll get it, right? If you want to get one property a quarter over the next three years. You know, you might not absolutely hit it, but you'll probably be farther along than you were if you had that that one goal. So just a big reminder to me to, you got to think big, you got to play big. You only have, you know, like one of the guys there was talking about, like literally I have maybe 9,700 days left, right? So what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to do with that? And it's not just in business, but health, family, you know, all that stuff. Think bigger act bigger. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we've, we've, Tony and I were talking before this podcast started, you know, we, we started off wanting to own a vacation rental because we like to travel. And so we bought a house to do that with. And, you know, that's, that's kind of slowly snowballed to, you know, creating new vision and, and we're still not exactly sure where we want to take it. It's constantly kind of changing, but I think just the, the changing our mindset over the last couple of years from, okay, you know, we want to have a handful of them. We went from one to a handful to managing, you know, a bunch to, you know, whatever, whatever that track is. Uh, but I think we just continue to think bigger and bigger and like, what, what is, what is, what's the end goal going to be? And starting with that in mind, instead of, instead of trying to do one, you know, focusing on one or two at a time, how, how do you really have a bigger vision and, and go after something that you don't think is possible. And uh, again, we haven't really landed that ship yet, but it's definitely an ongoing conversation of, you know, getting past the, the barriers that we set because of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever mental barrier that we have from a life of what you can and can't do. You know, those, those things, you, you go to a conference like that and, and see these people that just blow anything that you thought was possible out of the water and show you that it is. And so, you know, I don't know, Tony, what you, what you want to add to that as far as, you know, what's that vision look like for us or for you, but keeps changing and getting bigger. Yeah. I think the big thing is solidifying it and we have an offsite coming in the next call it month. Right. I think the big thing is solidifying it. We've changed it several times, but I think it's time to, you know, put pen to paper or maybe write it in concrete and kind of stay true to it for, you know, at least a year to three years to, to really see what kind of impact we can have. It'll be hard to measure how well we did against our, our vision and our goals if uh, those uh, are constantly changing. And they will. I mean, they'll always 
be changing, but it would be nice to say, hey, we want to get to X and let's see if we can get to X versus like, hey, it was X, now it's like, you know, X, Y that we're going for. So, but I think we're getting really close. I think we've learned a lot over the last couple of years. We've had, I'd say quite a bit of success. I think I just did a post on LinkedIn the other day. I don't know if you've seen my text come through, but I mean, shoot, dude, we just did as much pretty much as much in July of this year as we did all of last year, which is just like a, a pinch me moment, you know? So yeah, growth, growth income, growth income that we brought in in the month of July compared to all of last year. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the third and final, I mean, this is something that, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to get in business for yourself, it's something that everybody needs to, to hear and to try to really implement. It's moving from a hustler to a CEO. And it's hard to do. I like to stay busy. I like to knock things off the checklist, all that stuff. And sometimes it feels easier to just do it yourself instead of training and setting up the systems to make it happen. But they had Dan Martell there. He's the author of Buy Back Your Time. I read the book prior to going, and then I just listened to him while I was there. And it just really hit at home. Like there's so many low dollar tasks that I do in a day. And honestly, one of the things he said is, if you don't have a VA, you are, you know, if you don't have an assistant, you are an assistant, you know, and I look at my to do list, I literally have 13 things on it for today, right? And 10 of those probably could be outsourced. So I just got to get better at that. And honestly, when you think about playing bigger and being, you know, the bigger version of yourself, like, it's going to involve doing a lot, you know, doing a lot less of that and doing more complex tasks or more tasks that are more, you know, aligned with your unique, unique ability and kind of your strengths and not something that you'd necessarily be able to outsource to, you know, an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I, I always think back to when I was at the beginning of my, my journey trying to figure out what to do. I read a book, Michael Gerber. It's the E-Myth. E revisited. Yep. I think it's kind of an update on the e-myth. And they talk about the same process that, that most people in business go through is most of us start out as a technician. And the example they use in that book was this, this woman that had a, you know, she baked cakes and cookies and all that kind of stuff. And everybody loved her cookies and her cakes and told her she should open a bakery. So she opens a bakery and then she's showing up at 3 a.m. to start doing the bread and the cookies and the cakes and all that kind of stuff. And she's then she goes into service mode where she's serving people that are coming in and then she has to clean up. She's got to tear down. She's got to, you know, get everything ready for the next day. She's got to do the books and the accounting and all those things that you don't really think about when you're going to just bake cakes. And so, you know, her, her passion was cooking and baking and she was ready to close her business because she was so burned out after a year or two of doing everything. So really trying to figure out, you know, you, you can't have a business if you're the cake baker. And so how do you take yourself out of baking cakes and look at the bigger vision and, and find the things that you enjoy? And I think, like you said, Tony, it's, it's what's, what's the highest and best use of your time? Where's the best dollar value that you're yeah. going to create and really figuring out what that is. And one of the ways that when I, when I hired my first assistant in real estate, I was always terrified, like, how am I going to keep this person busy 40 hours a week? What am I going to even have them do? And the question was brought to me through one of my mentors is, okay, what are the things that you do that make money? And it's like, okay, well, that's easy to answer. Okay, well, then everything else is something that you should have somebody else doing for you. And it's like, 
oh, okay. Well, that yeah. kind of simplifies it. Like either it is making you money or you don't, you know, you, you pay somebody else to do it. So yeah. the higher, higher value things are the things that make money and everything else is just the, the busy work that's got to get done. So. Yeah. And I think there is an element to like, there's the part of it too is like leadership. Right. So I think there's certain, like, you shouldn't be doing all these to do's like part of it too is like culture, right? If you're going to build a company that has 10 plus people in it, all that stuff, like culture is a huge piece. Like that's not something I think you could outsource. I mean, you can, right? But it's going to take a higher level person. You know, you're probably call it a six figure individual to, to really be the, the ambassador of the culture in there. But I think those are one of those leadership things that like, hey, yeah, do the stuff that makes you money. But then also it's like, you have to be the one that's really diligent about the culture and working on that and whether it's one-on-ones or that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of that stuff too also needs to to be worked in there. So that's yeah. part, um, part, right? It, that's huge. And there's some, Jocko Willink has a book and I'm trying to remember which what's the title of the one that I'm thinking of right now, but there's some really good leadership books out there. And, and, you know, he talks a lot about empowering people to make decisions. And, you know, there's, there's, there's the th- the way that I think stuff should be done, but then there's probably 10 other ways to do it. Right. So it's like, what yeah. if you micromanage every decision, then people who work for you are going to come for, to you for every decision. It, empowering people, it does take a, a, a high, you know, high producing type of person to, to get people from point A to point B in some cases, but I think if you're, if you're growing that culture from top to bottom of, you know, there's, there's this issue, this, this issue at a rental, do I need to call five people to figure out what to do or do I just take care of it and fix it? You know, empowering those people that are on the ground level that they know that they can make a decision and not be reprimanded for it. Even maybe if it wasn't the, the solution, the exact way we would have fixed it, if they got it done, you know, thank them for it, encourage more of that behavior and, and move on to the next one. So. Yeah, or even one of the things I wrote down, and I think it would be part of like being the CEO, right? Would be making sure that you get the right people on the team or, you know, constantly building out your team. But they said high performing people are four to eight times more productive than low performing people, right? So just making sure that, I mean, honestly, even a good salesperson, right? I mean, we're in property management. We don't have, you know, we are kind of the sales, me and you are the, the salespeople on the team. But man, I mean, think about having like a high performing salesperson on a property management. Like if we're trying to grow, depending on what our vision is, I don't think our our, our vision is where we want to, you know, have a ton of properties. But if we did, shoot, having a good salesperson, I mean, shoot, Big Castle, you know, hunt you down with, with their salespeople and, and try to get you. So, but yeah, high performing people. And if we don't have a team full of high performing people, then we should always be on the lookout. And there's almost always a seat available for a high performing person. You know, even if it's like, ah, we might not be hiring right now, but shoot, this person comes available, you bet there's a seat. So constantly building out that team, you know, just another part of hustler to CEO, instead of, you know, me being the one doing the work, having, you know, making sure we're getting, building out the team. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, a, it's one of those things when you're scaling a business is you're trying to look at the income and making sure that you have the, the income to support it. So, you know, when we started, it was just Tony and I, and then we made our first hire that was going to be 50% for book and gather. And then 50% for my business for Keystone, the, the real estate side. And 
I think it's probably more like 90-10. This, this person's working more for the, the management. And then we hired a, a full-time, our first full-time on-site staff a couple months ago. And it seems like they're still, you know, t- Tony's still getting dragged into the mundane day-to-day. So, you know, it, it really is about finding the, finding the right people, getting them, getting them as busy as you can get them, and then reevaluating. Once they're, once they're at capacity, you know, you reevaluate, you look at the productivity. And I think the, the biggest thing that, the, the biggest mistake people make in, in any type of business is, you, you know, you get that person busy. The, the goal is to get, to, to continue to take things off of your plate so that you can be productive and make money. And yeah. if you pass a bunch of busy work off, but then fill your plate with a bunch more busy work, you're really not making any progress. You're just adding costs. So reevaluating constantly where and how you're spending your time. If you're going to try really try to scale a business, you got to constantly be taking things off of your plate and then you got to help that person. You know, if you got a high level employee and they're spending a bunch of time doing mundane things, right? At a certain point, that employee's time is worth, is worth more money than what you're paying them. So you got to elevate those people and continue to, to constantly be on the lookout for who's that next person to fill the role as, as you're scaling. So it, it just, one of the hardest part about scaling a business is that growth pattern never stops. And if you just put stuff on auto and don't reevaluate what you're doing, you're going to end up plateauing. So, you know, constantly be reevaluating, constantly be making sure that the people that you're, you're hiring are doing work that's worthy of their pay scale. And, and find those solutions to be more effective and, and spending your time from top to bottom, you know, on the things that are that are valuable. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it for today. Anything else? Uh, anything else you want to touch on? I think that's it for today. Awesome. Until next time. Thanks for checking out today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, please go over to your podcast player of choice. Leave us a review. We appreciate those that have already taken the time to do so. It just helps us get discovered by more people in that platform. And if you're not on the email list yet, go over to michigan.shorttermrentals.com. Get on the email list. You're going to see it right there on the homepage. And you're going to get four very valuable emails. One's going to be a list of 650 zip codes where we've already analyzed a address and have projected revenue for that address. So you can kind of filter those and see which one has the best projections out of those 650 zip codes. And then you're going to get a furnishing calculator. So you'll get a number for how much does it cost to furnish a four bed, two bath with a hot tub and a ping pong table. And you can use that to really project out your return on investment there. And then also a property grading tool. So you're gonna be able to plug in some information like yard size, number of neighbors, amenities, the cost of the property and the projected revenue. And it's gonna kick you out a letter grade. So our properties are letter grade B. So if it's B or an A, it could be a good property to pick up. If it's less than that, you might really wanna think about is it gonna be a good property? And make sure you connect with Jordan Painter and Tony Stancato on LinkedIn. Send us a connection request there and we'll make sure we accept it. And we'll talk to you later.